The Isle of Og, written and narrated by Michael Tippetts. Anxious and uneasy as the day began to dawn, Ermo flew low in and out of the trees, stopping only to use his light to reveal the hidden directions on the map Solly had given him. The day is a frightening time for nocturnals, just as the night is for us. Ermo was raised on tales of wicked sun worshippers, Animals that wore beneath their long hooded robes the masks of horned diurnal creatures that had grotesque human-like faces. In village folklore, it was said that any fire sprites found up at this hour would be lured to them, unable to resist their strange and enchanting calls. Those caught were said to be sacrificed at midday upon a stone altar to appease the all-powerful and malevolent sun god, a god of fire and brimstone who sought to maintain his strict dominion over the whole island and all of its inhabitants. (laughs) As he had grown older, Ermo knew not to believe in such tales, being just scare stories told to those infant nocturnes who at like time would refuse their beds. However, these fables now forced their way into the forefront of Ermo's mind, along with the owl's parting words, Beware of fowl, for they are evil. Solly tried hard not to be afraid. He used various tactics to keep himself distracted, such as whistling and singing merry songs, attempting to recall any past tales that had made him laugh, but it was all fruitless. The fizz of his humour fell flat. As the sun climbed, the more twitchy and nervous Ermo became. Where we cannot see what is upon us in the dark, nocturnes are similarly blinded by sunlight. As in an overexposed photograph, for them all definition and colour is lost in a painful, overpowering white haze. It's far easier to laugh at such things as ghouls, ghosts and demons when you're not alone or in an unfamiliar place. Compensating for his lack of sight, his hearing had become sensitised even to the smallest of sounds. Although Irma was aware of this, he was still unable to shake off the terrifying sensation of being watched, a feeling of being tracked by unseen eyes. As he flew between the trees, he kept close and low to the ground, seeking out any amount of shade wherever he could. As the day progressed, Ermo's paranoia only increased. Spooked by the rustling leaves, snapping twigs and the occasional sound of unseen flapping wings, he became more and more convinced that he was being followed. Ermo, from the corner of his eyes, caught momentary glimpses of something darting quickly through the undergrowth, leading him to one frightful conclusion. 
that the evil foul Solly had warned him of were now tracking his every move. Shaken, Ermo spoke sternly to himself. This is no good, Ermo. Get a grip, get a grip. He tried to seek comfort in the fact that the day had now reached its tidal mark, reassuring himself that with each passing hour the sun would lose more and more of its power. With it directly overhead, Ermo felt that any danger lurking in the light would likely take this opportunity to strike. Desperately, he searched for a place of safety. But the trees had thinned, and what once was thick woodland had now changed to scrub and open fields. Squinting while shading his eyes, Ermo spied a large solitary tree standing nearby. Tall and strong, it stood alone in a rising clearing. The tree, he thought, would provide an ideal resting spot, as it had open views to the surrounding area, making it especially difficult for any to approach without being seen. Perfect, thought Ermo. I'll rest there. The tree, covered in thick, dark foliage, offered welcome protection from the harsh sunlight. Ermo moved high into the deepest part of its canopy. At its heart, Ermo felt safe. Happy he'd found a place of security, where he could remain until the dusk. Taking off his backpack, Ermo positioned himself up against the tree's wide trunk. Then, with a whispered sigh of relief, he finally relaxed. The nervous nausea Ermo had had all day subsided, only to be replaced by a sick hunger, a hunger that made him feel tired and weak. Carefully opening his backpack, Ermo examined the supplies the owl had given him. Inside were numerous strange, fibrous, hide-like packages. Looking at each in turn, he noticed how they all had curious symbols burnt into them. A lightning bolt on one, a broken sweeping circle on another. Others include celestial symbols, such as a setting sun and a crescent moon. In and amongst these packets were small sealed pouches, which by the way they wobbled and sloshed indicated that they contained fluids. Each had the printed motif of a ringed Saturn-like planet. Running around the edge of all these packets were the words Golden Light Corporation, below which there were three capital V's embossed in a dark red these V's had been carefully arranged in an overlapping triangular formation, with two on top and one below. Puzzled, Ermo searched the bag for further instructions, but found none. Using his light, he examined the map, but could see nothing except the strange V symbols appearing as green watermarks. With nothing to describe what the symbols might mean, it was like having tins of food that had lost their labels. So all Ermo could do was shake and listen to them so as to guess their contents. Undecided as which to open first, Ermo closed his eyes and chose a packet at random. The one he'd selected had an odd emblem with three sticks on it. It was difficult to open, so using his teeth, he quite suddenly ripped it apart throwing many of its rainbow-coloured contents high into the air. 
Ermo quickly snatched at them, grabbing a few, while the rest, including the packet, fell. Damn, cursed Ermo, as he looked down, watching as they clattered and bounced to the ground below. Curious to see what he'd caught, he opened his hand. It was cut full of dried berries. Dried fruit. Typical, thought Ermo. Trust me to open the dessert course first. Ermo popped what looked like a dried blackberry into his mouth, saying, well, it's not going to spoil my appetite as my nerves have already done that. The dried fruit tasted both sweet and sour, a flavour that was quickly followed by an unpleasant metallic aftertaste that made him spit it out in disgust. Ermo quickly searched for the pouch, which he hoped contained water. Attached to it was a short ryegrass straw. Using it, he pierced a hole that had been sealed by a rubbery tree gum. Having no idea what the drink was, but wanting to remove the horrible taste from his mouth, Ermo sucked a cautious first sip. The fluid tastes sweet, but not unpleasant. It was like a fizzy drink, but this was not carbonated. The fizz, like sherbet, appeared a few seconds after meeting his tongue. Ermo sat for a while, slowly sipping the strange drink. Having discarded the horrible-tasting blackberries, he sat and ate the remaining dried fruit in his hand. Once finished, with his appetite somewhat sated, he put the unopened packets and emptied drink container back into his bag. Ermo knew if he wanted to get to Sam's on time, he should probably think about leaving. But it had begun to rain. So, for now, he decided to stay put and wait out the passing shower. Having been so long without any sleep, Ermo felt tired. Carefully settling himself into a large fork where the leaves were at their thickest, he secured himself in. Using the backpack as a pillow, Ermo listened to the rain as it patted rhythmically on the leaves. The gentle sound comforted and consoled him. The dry, dusty ground below became wet, giving off a fragrant, earthy smell, a pleasing aroma that made him feel soporific and snug. Ermo closed his tired and sore eyes, eyes that had been pained and blinded by the harsh daylight. It was in this moment that something happened. Something later on, Ermo couldn't explain or even accurately recall. He experienced a gentle feeling of fire passing through him, a sensation that made his whole body tingle. Although Ermo did not see it, his tail also gently glowed. All the thoughts he'd had of changing his light now seemed trivial and vain. It was in this moment of meditation that Ermo saw everything clearly, that his road to happiness was not to be found in changing his light, but by accepting it. He could see that the happiness he was seeking was not found in himself, but in his reflection in others. Ermo knew at that moment that the right thing to do would be for him to abandon his quest and returned home. Ermo now relaxed, the decision having been made, he felt an inner peace, 
a peace that allowed him to drift off into a deep sleep. An hour or two passed, during which an angry weather front formed out to sea. Rumbling and flashing, the vengeful storm roared loudly as it raced across Og like an attacking lion. Ermo, who'd slept through the most of it, was awoken to a blinding flash of light and a sudden bang. All at once his senses were overloaded with light and sound. His nose was filled with an acrid, suffocating smell of burning sap that made him cough and splutter. Dazzled and dazed, his ears rang from the deafening bang. The tree shuddered violently to its roots as it exploded and split. Sparks flew and branches rushed past him, scratching his arms and face. Ermo had no time to react or move. Instinctively, he opened his wings, but in that same instance, he felt a sharp, searing pain as they were ripped and buckled by the passing debris. Desperately, Ermo tried to fly, but it was hopeless. His wings had become useless shreds of hanging gossamer. All Ermo could do now was hang on. A feeling of weightlessness yawned in the pit of his stomach as he clung to the falling bough, bracing himself for an impact, which he knew must come. Everything fell into slow motion, as time itself seemed to stutter, as if it was allowing him to observe the surrounding mayhem, giving him the time he needed to avoid any bigger branches coming his way. Oddly, in this moment of chaos, Ermo felt no fear. He was calm and centred without panic or terror. As he fell, he wondered if there'd be much pain. Then it came, the inevitable thud that knocked all the air from his lungs and struck a dull blow to his head, a clout that sent Ermo hurtling into unconsciousness. In this moment, Ermo didn't feel any pain. In fact, what he experienced was the opposite, a wonderful sensation of comfort and protection. He found himself floating weightlessly in a fetal position above what seemed to be like a vast sea of fire, a holding place of serenity and peace, void of time, worry or pain. Unaware if he'd been there for a millennia or just a matter of seconds, now felt himself being pushed gently back towards consciousness. A moment that finished with a rush, like the bursting arrival of an underground train at a tube station. As he came round, his eyes struggled to focus, as everything appeared starred and hazy. It was as if a multitude of thin white veils were being gradually withdrawn, allowing images to form. His first view was not what he imagined it would be. Ermo had expected to be part of a scene of mayhem and destruction, surrounded by branches and burning debris from the fallen tree. But instead, he found himself in a bed of crisp white linen, his head bandaged and resting on a plump, soft pillow with a warm, feathery blanket pulled neatly over him. Without moving, 
Ermo, using just his eyes, looked around. As he did so, everything blurred and his head spun. What had happened? Where was he? How long had he been out? Trying to focus, Ermo strained to see what looked like the walls of a wooden cabin. At his bedside was a small table, upon which a candle burned inside an elegant but simple hurricane lamp. Next to the light, he could make out a glass of water. With much effort, he moved his head to try to see more, but it was all too much. A large, crashing wave of agony hit him at full force. This time, Irmo fainted away into a dark and empty unconsciousness. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.